Hi, and welcome to today's meeting of Book Hoarders Anonymous. Let's all begin by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Shannon. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Aaron. Welcome. Hi, I'm Shannon Curry. And I am Aaron Edgar, and we're here to help you all along. If you have a love for reading, we would like you to join us and in our quest to find new and interesting things in the world of books. That is true. And, you know, as we like to say, you know, being a book hoarder is not a problem. We can stop anytime. We just choose not to. Absolutely. I mean, we don't have problems, do we? No. no uh-uh. It is not. It is not a, a, a bad thing. We can stop whenever we want. Like you said, it is not an addiction or a disease or a problem. We just, hoarding is just so much fun. It is. And, you know, in, in this day of digital books, it, it's not like we even have to look at the clutter. Nobody is going exactly. to come in and do an intervention on our SD cards. Absolutely. I mean, who's going to come in and, you, you know, you, you can't do an intervention on that. Now, I mean, if this was 20 years ago and you had a bunch of paper, you know, hardcover books or, you know, if you're blind and, and or visually impaired and you've got like audio books flung all over the place, you know, on, on cassette or CD or something or even Braille books. Ooh. Oh, with millions of volumes. Exactly. Then you might have a problem, but we don't because we have no clutter. No. No, uh, not at all. None at all. Um, <laughs> so on a, you know, more serious note, I guess we need to introduce ourselves and tell people who we are. Um, I am, well, uh, I am uh, also on the Tech Access Weekly podcast with my husband, Rodney, and we talk about mainstream and assistive technology. Um, I'm also on Twitter, at Aaron Edgar on Twitter. Um, in my regular workaday life, I'm a lawyer with legal aid. Um, and in my non-workaday life, on the weekends, I'm a broadcaster with MushroomFM.com. Ooh, the show is called The Melting Pot. Bubble, bubble. <laughs> so, um, I am a what they call a non-traditional student, <laughs> uh, finishing my my bachelor's degree in social work from the University of Kansas. Um, I graduated in May. Woo! Um, I have always wanted to do some kind of like. I, I enjoy the like talking about books. I always have, um, and it it had always seemed to me that I could never find any any book related podcasts <laughs> when I got into podcasting. Of course, now that I say that, I found like four of them. Right, exactly. I, I did the same <laughs> thing. You know, yeah. But but I you know is I I had decided. Um, Several several months back, I was like, you know what, I'd, I'd really like to start a book podcast. That is that is my goal in in this year, and um, basically was like, well, who can I get that knows something about the technical side of recording a podcast that loves to read as much as I do, 
but that way I won't have to do the kind of work that I don't know how to do. And so I was like, Erin, you want to do a podcast, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, I agree. I just, I realized that I was spending a lot of time, you know, on Twitter, tweeting to people about books and how wonderful they were. I was spending time on the on a book review list um, affiliated, well, not affiliated with, but concentrating on books on the um, Bard reading service, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but I and I, I just thought, well, you know, I'm doing all this stuff. And it would be really cool if, you know, there was a podcast out there that I could get on and have a soapbox and just, you know, love to read, read, read and talk all about it. Exactly. Like get, get a chance to, you know, just embrace your inner inner nerd exactly mine too i i um have been on various book groups over the years i also had a a short-lived like book review blog that i kept for a while and then school kind of got um in the way overwhelming to me Mm -hmm. and then i discovered goodreads and what i like about goodreads is, is that um with that you can like let people know your progress of the book as you're going through it. And it, it it's like a blog, you know, in kind the sense of. Of, of, you know, you can write your reviews after you're done. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. And, and it, it's a lot less work. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can be really verbose in a review uh, demonstrated by a, a book we'll talk about in our news segment. <laughs> uh, or you can be like me and have like a one sentence review because I'm too lazy to write much. Uh, but I, I have not taken advantage of the whole like you can tell it where you are and, and keep everyone up to date on your current read. I haven't done that. Usually what I end up doing is putting in books after I'm done with them. Yeah. Um, well, I like, I, I think that for me, it's easier to do that because I do read a lot of bookshare things. Right. In fact, um, eventually we'll talk about like what we are reading and, and my current reads right now are a couple of things from, from bookshare.org, which in case we have any any listeners who are not blind, um, is a or or not in the United States, is a digital service that provides um, basically thousands of books in in Braille and Daisy format, um, which you know Daisy's is sort of this this. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how one describes well, exactly what Daisy is, it's but it's a, it's a specific uh, markup file system, you know, like a, a code that you put right. files through, and um, it makes them easier to navigate, uh, either audio or text files, and it puts various markers in the file that denote like page numbers and chapter headings and all kinds of other stuff, and it is an acronym for something, and I just can't remember what it is. Digital accessibility the something system? something. No. Yeah. System. No, no. System. S Y. There you go. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I um. I uh, that was kind of like my next question or the next thing I guess to talk about was what formats do you usually read in? Because you know, not only of course are there hard copy formats, but you know, as we are both blind and use you know alternative formats, you know, what kinds of things do we use? Because I remember the days of the big talking book player cassettes and records. I don't know if you had records, but I did. Um, Oh, yeah. I remember the records. And um, the big... I actually have one of those talking book players in the closet. Or, well, maybe two of them. I can't remember. 
Um, I, I do have a tape recorder in the closet mm-hmm. somewhere. It's it's like it would be a really, really nice paperweight if yeah. I um, <laughs> had yeah. a sufficiently large stack of papers. Right. Um, but now, of course, we have all kinds of other wonderful stuff like, um, you know, I have a, a program called Kurzweil that will scan, you know, I can scan a book into the computer and then it will read it in like, you know, computer speak. Yeah. Um, and then I, there's Bookshare. Yes. Uh, and, and talked about Bard. And then there's Bard, which basically it's the Braille and audio reading download service uh, from the National Library Service for the Blind. Again, this is a U.S. thing. Uh, and the Braille has not been added to it yet. They are just now focusing on the um, uh, the narrated audio. And so, yeah. you know, hopefully they'll get the Braille added soon. And, uh, you know, those of, of us who do uh, can pull things from Web Braille, which is sort of like the part of Bard that isn't in Bard yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I primarily use Bookshare and mm-hmm. um, I do read a lot of stuff from Bard. I also have an audible.com subscription and I tend to hoard um <laughs> my my audible books too right um I, I tend to be very very picky with those kinds of books though like I have to be very um because I you know I pay a certain amount from per month I can't remember what it is I think it's like 20 bucks a month for like two audible credits which means that I get access to two books right um and there is some rollover. I think there. I think you can have it roll over to something like I've had as many as eleven credits, which was has been in like some busy months. Wow. Um, but but I tend to be very like I want to make sure that that if I'm going to spend a credit, it's going to be on a book that I like or that sure. I'm sure I'm going to like. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You wouldn't want to spend your credit on a dud and then feel like you wasted, <laughs> you know, ten dollars. Although, having said that, I have done this recently, and I was very, Uh-oh. very disappointed. And it's waste? not like I can go and – I'm sure I could request a refund from Audible, but I have chosen not to because it's like, well, you know, it's not what really the it? book's fault. But what was it? <laughs> it was um, actually the the first book in the the – Bar Sinster series by Stephanie Lawrence. They're historical romances and oh yeah, and I just couldn't like. I I my tastes in romance novels are pretty particular. I I like them, but I have to be. But there are certain things I don't like, and I and like the popular romance thing of the really really like super. I. I'm a proud warrior man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, and, and like, and you will do what I say because I'm the man. Mm-hmm. And like that, that tends to bother me. And so like, I really, I, at first I kind of thought maybe it was going to be one of those books where she was playing with it a little like, yeah, like sometimes um, like, like an author that does this well, like J.R. Ward, she writes the the series called the Black Dagger Brotherhood, which is all about, hot alpha vampire <laughs> romance dudes. <laughs> but but like in those books I get the the impression she's like, yeah, I know. This is crazy. Just go with it, ladies, okay? And she's she's like she's totally embracing the campiness of like what she's writing. Mm-hmm. And after a while, and I thought Stephanie Lawrence is doing that, but then she took it seriously. And then like you know, the heroine goes around for the first third of the book being like 
the hero's like, oh, will, you will marry me. And the heroine's like, no, I won't. Mm-hmm. And, then it, and then she's like, at, at some point, the heroine's like, but I want to experience pleasure. Mm-hmm. And the only one I want to experience it with is you. So now I'm going to seduce you. And I was just like, that, you know, like, you, you can't just make that leap from yeah. within, like, five seconds it doesn't it doesn't work so i was like i, I can't I've deal with a couple this of stephanie lauren's romances and i actually thought they were kind of good but they were standalone they were not part of a series or anything um they were like they stood on their own uh i can't remember the names of them at the t- off the top of my head but they were not you know the ooh, alpha male and the you know female uh the women actually had a little bit of spirit to them and and the males were not you know you must marry me type of thing well but I this wish girl I could... did have some spirit but mm-hmm. she was just still an idiot yeah um that almost dovetails so nicely with our news story on that should we just go ahead and talk about that or should we wait <laughs> oh yeah um so i i woke up this morning to find <laughs> on twitter that um a bunch of people were outraged at something Dr. Drew Lipinski, who hosts a um, a who used to host something called the Love Line on on radio here in the U.S., where he you know gave relationship advice and he had a comedian because you know when you need relationship advice to give to people, you know a comedian is obviously the person you want as a co-host. Oh, of course. <laughs> And um, so I was like, what did Dr. Drew do? So I followed this link (laughs) and we'll have it in the show notes. And apparently people in in book clubs everywhere are embracing this book called Fifty Shades of Grey by E.L. James, which is about this um, young, naive college student who um, ends up in the like... In, in like meeting this man who's like a gazillionaire, of course. Yeah. Um, and he's he's tormented and <laughs> um, haunted he, by demons. Haunted by demons, and the only way that he can he can control those demons is with um, very violent sex. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> um, he he ends up initiating her into that, and um, people are. It, this the this Today Show piece was like, oh my gosh, these women are reading such naughty things, and it's it's, <laughs> it, yeah. it's it, yeah, like their 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 husbands are they're are make they're making their husbands get the kinds of ties that they that yeah that, I know I saw that he wears <laughs> these silver ties or something so yeah. they're making their husband they're buying their husbands that for their birthday right. and 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 the one woman who said that she couldn't put it down and she was on the plane reading the book and just couldn't put it down despite the fact that the pilot said turn off all your electronic devices and she just couldn't but but it it sounds so vapid to me like there was a review posted on goodreads we'll also have the link to that in the show notes for this book and the review lasts for like a thousand oh, years. Yes, it's like yes. It's on DearAuthor.com where I where I saw the review and it, it and she hated it. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, she hated it. Um, and and like it, it it basically that was what it boiled down to was that that she thought it was a pretty vapid story. And then it turns out that the story had originally been written as Twilight fanfic. Well, yeah, um, and it was something called Master of the Universe or something. Which, which but, just make, makes me think of He-Man. <laughs> yeah, it does. I am the master of... 
and, the and now I'm picturing He-Man, Spark- no. like Battle Cat, sparkling yeah. in the sun. Or it's Grayskull. What was his castle's name? Oh, Grayskull. Yeah, by the power of Grayskull. Yeah. Um. So, so what, what begs the question: If it was Twilight fanfic, who were the characters in there? I mean, like now, of course, we've got Christian Grey, the billionaire, but. If it was Twilight fanfic, then there had to be Twilight characters in there. Right. So, the, I mean, like, presumably <laughs> Christian would have been Edward. and Presumably, and yeah. The, the chick whose whose name I think was Anna. Anastasia or something? <laughs> yeah, Anastasia. Yeah. You know, whatever. The, the, the chick was probably just as vapid and, <laughs> and silly as Bella was. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I think the Twilight series actually is a little more sophisticated, and I hate to say this, than this. I mean, in, in the... The Shades of Grey book, which incidentally is a series of three books, it's a trilogy, and the last one is called Shades, something like Shades Freed. Shades of Free, yeah. yeah Shades of Free. So um, it, it basically, um, it seems to to suggest that he has to engage in these domineering behaviors in order to compensate for the pain that he feels as, you know, part of this horrible past he had or whatever. And so the thought is, I guess, that if, you know, once he's free of that pain, then he'll be free of the domineering behaviors um, as if, you know, there's something wrong with them, you know, wrong right. with him. And Twilight actually doesn't do that. I think Twilight actually is pretty clever in um, granted, she can't write. I agree with Stephen King on that one. But um, clever in sort of like embracing your inner darkness and making it a good thing. Yeah, she yeah. doesn't ever try to. I mean, Bella's all for it. She's right. she's all for. She wants that darkness. Bring mm-hmm. it on. And and I'm like, granted, I say that as somebody who who has who started to read the first Twilight book and then like couldn't I, finish it. I made myself finish it just to say <laughs> that I had finished it, but I never read read any of the other books. But I mean, yeah, it's sort of like bring on the darkness. And this is more like darkness is bad. It's it's a bad thing, and we don't need we don't want it at all. And and in order to be normal, we have to, you know, it it, it it's only uh, the darkness is there to help us through our troubles. And then once we don't have any troubles, we won't need the darkness. And and I will bring you into the light with yeah. my magical lady parts. Exactly. Oh, very well put. <laughs> I'm trying very hard to to, very to well be clean. Put. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you know, I I guess that's. I don't know. I mean, not like I'm like all on board with the whole bondage and submission, you know, like dynamic in in the bedroom or anything. But I just don't I just don't like the way this this was portrayed. Uh, No, I'm not either. (laughs) And I've I've I don't know enough about it, really, um, nor do I know enough about what's good in terms of like. (laughs) that kind of literature to be like hey you know instead of reading that you should read this um so i can't say anything about that but it's uh, not not my cuppa and and um if if you are looking to find these books i do not think i did not look but it does not appear to me that they are available in any kind of accessible format so Um, i did look on bard they're not there 
<laughs> you know, why does that not surprise yeah, me? They but, don't really seem like the but, kind of people they, that read a lot of erotica. Have a book where they they talked in the synopsis about joyous copulation. Oh yes, yes, the 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 um to sail beyond the sunset. Yes. Isn't that it? Yes, she discusses her joyous copulations in great detail. In great detail. I actually just read that book this week. Um, <laughs> how how was it? It was the really good, actually. Joyous? Yes, the copulations were joyous. <laughs> Um, but I mean, Robert Heinlein is not one of those authors. We probably should do a podcast on him at some point because he's so awesome. Uh, but anyway, he um, he's one, not one of those authors. I mean, he talks a lot about sex in his books, but there usually isn't a lot of description. I mean, you know what I'm saying about, you know, when it's actually going on type of thing? Yeah. There really isn't, you know, a lot of description. I mean, he doesn't overdo it. And, you know, he, he talks a lot about doing it, but not a lot about the actual act. So, I mean, you know. The copulations were joyous, but he doesn't overdo, you know, overdo the description. Right. And I mean, I'm not a prude by any means. And I do like some erotica. In fact, um, (laughs) I'm in the middle of reading, reading a collection of vampire, lesbian, erotica, short stories. Oh, my God. (laughs) On Bookshare. That's actually been pretty, pretty interesting um, because I like it's not. I, like, I think it was written for actual lesbians and not for, like, guys who are like, ooh, girl-on-girl stuff is hot. Mm-hmm. Um, because it has a very definite, um, like, female-centric, like, like it's supposed to be. It's, it's, there, there, there's definitely stories in, in most of the ones I've read so far. Mm-hmm. But, um, anyway, <laughs> I, I do think that, you know, if if there's not a real purpose to describing the sex in in great detail, like if it doesn't enhance the story for there to be a ten page sex scene, then <laughs> there doesn't need to be a, a ten page sex, sex scene. scene. Yeah, you're, I'm, you're right about that. Um, you know, we kind of digressed into areas of I don't know what there for a second, but I assume we got all of our biographical information that's pertinent out of the way. Is there any other thing you wanted to say about that? Oh, I I think I think we we got it. Oh, I didn't say my Twitter. I'm Bard Song on Twitter. B A R D S O N G. And no, I did not name my Twitter after the Braille and recorded books download <laughs> <laughs> service. Yeah, we'll put a link we'll, to that. We'll put um, a hang on. We'll put a link to the to that and you know in the show notes, and we'll we'll repeat our information there towards the end. Yeah, um, this podcast also has a Twitter account. Incidentally, it is Book Hoarders. Yes, so follow it. So follow it. Uh, <laughs> we, it um, has a total of well, after this podcast is out, it will probably have a total of four or five tweets. But it, yes, yeah. So, 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 what are you reading, Aaron? Since we talked um, a little bit about that, we should probably. Yeah. I, I figured that should be a regular feature. Yeah. What What are we reading? That should be a regular one. And and as I said, I, I just finished "To Sail Beyond the Sunset" by Robert Heinlein. And this is a book that it, it sort of combines a lot of his references to a lot of his other books in it. Um, it's You can get away without reading other books, though, except you probably should read Time Enough for Love before you read this. Uh, because it, it some of the main characters are actually in both books. And in order to like figure out what's going on, um, probably would be a good idea to read that. Also, another book that would be good to read that I haven't read is The Cat Who Walks Through Walls, because the cat in that book is in this book, as weird as that sounds. Um, 
And basically, he can like take quantum leaps between universes, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and I haven't read that one yet, but definitely, uh, you know, I felt like I could get through the book without having read that one. Uh, but if I felt like if I hadn't read Time Enough for Love, I would be sort of confused. Um, and so I, I finished reading that, and that was very good. It was it was basically about a woman who um, is a member of this group of families who have been selected in, in the 1800s for their longevity. And so they create this sort of like secret society and, and perform their own sort of private brand of eugenics to strengthen their longevity. I mean, you know, the age their their longevity so uh she's part of that and she finds herself eventually transported like over two thousand years into the future and has well fun recalling her joyous copulations <laughs> uh, other sundries and talks a lot about her life you know as she lived it and Heinlein with his usual brilliance although i don't think it was as subtle it, it, as as in some of his other books brings in a lot of issues around uh uh, that were prevalent during the time that he was writing. Um, he's famous for this. And so, of course, he wrote this in the 80s. And, you know, when there was a lot of drug abuse and things going on among teenagers. And that was a big part of the book. So um, he he did that. He wasn't as subtle about, about you know, various uh, social commentary as he sometimes is. But, it, you know, it was there and it was good. Um, so that's what I just read. And I am, I currently have decided that, I am going to finish the Dark Tower series by Stephen King, despite the fact that I know how the series ends. I'm going to read it anyway. <laughs> and so I am currently reading the fourth book in that series called Wizard and Glass. And it's just amazing to see how many books he's pulling in to this series. A lot of his other books come in at some point, you know, into it, especially The Stand. Um all kinds of references to the stand in there and characters overlap and things. So it's very interesting. Um, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm reading at the moment. How about you? Um, I, right now I've got, <laughs> besides the lesbian erotica. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Hmm. <laughs> I'm in the middle of um, Lisanne Norman's Sholin Alliance series. Um, the first five of which are, are up on Bookshare. Um, although the scans are of, varying quality mm -hmm. and it's an interesting series it's it's sci-fi as well although um i do read other things besides sci-fi occasionally <laughs> um it it's basically about um it, it starts out with this this ship that crashes on a planet that has been kind of under siege um the the some humans had been colonizing it, but then these people called the the Valtigans showed up and they were going to use the planet as kind of an R&R &R type of place because they're in the middle of the war. And so there's kind of this like uneasy, they don't really want the humans to be there. So they've been fighting the humans and right. whoever they're fighting in this war. And um, then the ship crashes and, and there's this, our main character has a twin sister that's been doing some, sort of undercover work with the with the the resistance of the human colonists who don't really like their Valtigan overlords and she gets killed which is not a spoiler it happens like on page one um and her sister who is who is alive um has had a telepathic link with with her they're twins and oh. so when the when the dead sister dies like this link is gone and and uh 
Carrie, who is the the surviving twin, basically ends up um, kind of reaching out to grasp at anything, and she encounters this alien from this crashed ship named Kusak, who is a Sholin. And, you know, they bond, and it's, uh, you know, it's this huge telepathic thing. And um, and the Sholins turn out to be these uh, telepathic, uh, cat-like alien beings. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's why I call them my telepathic cat book. Okay, I thought you were reading Tara Harper. <laughs> you know, No, although it. I have the first of those books oh on my SD card because I don't have a problem at all. <laughs> I can stop anytime. Of course not. Anyway, like, it, they're they're very, they're, they're definitely the kind of books that I feel like the author had fun writing them. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm on, I, I, I have some problems with them. Like, I think that that Carrie is a bit of a, a Mary Sue, which I'll, I'll find a link to for a definition of that but essentially you know she's she is like there is nothing that she cannot do there you know if she suffers she suffers deeply oh and and everybody loves her and you know she can act like a childish brat and frequently does and people are like oh that's kind of endearing Mm -hmm. and (laughs) it's it's obnoxious, but it, it's kind of, I get the sense after, you know, reading about a third of the way into the third book right now, and I kind of get the sense that that <laughs> this is how it's going to be, and there's nothing going to change. Right. And so the first book is basically, uh, you know, um, the, the first book was, was on a fairly small scale. It was mostly all about Carrie. But then um, a lot of interesting characters got introduced toward the end. And then as the series goes on, it becomes very much this huge, sprawling epic. And um, I I hadn't been reading that much epic stuff lately. Um, I, you know, back back when I was (laughs) not full of being in school I you know I read like a song of ice and fire and Mm -hmm. I've read like the Belgariad and you know epic fantasy and I read the dragon riders of Pern you know epic sci-fi I guess you uh, although that's like sort of differently epic yeah but um you know like I hadn't realized how much I'd, I'd I'd missed that whole you know like this is this huge sprawling everything like the world depends on on you kind of things. Right. And it's nice to be able to like to go through and know that that for the next like thousand pages or so I get to to be with these same characters and and if they're at, at, at the point of the third book there are so many characters introduced that that even though there there is still way too much of Carrie being like oh I'm super special and her you know, special self. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but there are so many like really awesome characters. I have this thing, um, <laughs> like I'm totally going to digress again. But I I love um, really competent, kick ass warrior women characters who are not like, you know, let me show you how badass I am. They just right, do what exactly. needs to be they done. Just do it, and and. Um, there's a character in in this series named Tichebi, who is one of the Sholin cat people, and she's not very important in the third book, but in every scene that she's in, I'm like, Tichebi would, like, 
I have no doubt that if Tachebi were like to go head to head against Godzilla, she would just win. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then <laughs> I'm also reading uh, a book called The Virtues of Our Vices. I tend to read nonfiction when I'm trying to go to sleep because I figure that, you know, like a riveting plot is not what it's I need when I need. Right. <laughs> so that is like a really cool um it's a little more academic than I was thinking it was going to be. I thought it was going to be kind of a, you know, standard sort of nonfiction-y type of thing. But it's, it's still a cool exploration of, like, the kinds of circumstances in which it, it's okay to be rude or to gossip or... Um, I, I forget what the other, like, topics he, he's going to cover because I'm only on the gossip chapter right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he talks about how, like... <clears throat> you know, there are times that we know that we're being rude and there's sometimes that it's not necessarily, you know, um, inexcusable to be rude. Like, you know, if you were going to shake hands with Charles Manson, like Mm -hmm. it would be perfectly okay (laughs) if you did not want to do that. Yeah. And, and I thought that, I think it's, it's really interesting. So that's what I've been reading. Yeah, that's really good. I need to read more nonfiction. I have to say, um, I use reading more for escape than anything else. And I, I, I need to start reading more nonfiction. So that's that sounds like it, it could be really interesting. What I'm looking forward to reading next is um, the J.C. Dugard book, A Stolen Life. That was just put up on Bard recently. And, I saw um, that. It's basically about, well, she you know was in the news a couple years ago. She was discovered uh, having been abducted for, you know, what, 18 years? Uh, and uh. it's about her life, uh, you know, the two daughters that she had and raised and what it was like being, you know, basically isolated in that room or building for, for that long. Uh, and the Bard version is narrated by somebody else, but apparently the Audible version is narrated by her, and that would just totally freak me out. I don't think I want to read that one. Oh, I don't think I can do that either. That There's been some talk on Twitter about the, the, the Gabby Giffords memoir. She was the senator that was shot in the head. Right. And, and survived, oh and God. how apparently her husband reads the audible version, but she reads like a little bit from the end, and how it's like it's just totally amazing how she's come out come of back. that. Oh yeah, wow! I remember and, when that happened. I remember hearing about it. I was like in the car going to the grocery store, and uh, I remember hearing that it had happened, uh, and it just like floored me. Oh my God, she shot in the head. And she's still alive, you know? Right. <laughs> And have you read the book, the book Room? Yes, it is an absolutely freakishly, wonderfully disturbing book. It, it it is. It absolutely is. Yeah. And that one is also best. That one is best read in in Audible. I that think that Audible version is some kind of amazing. That I, is one of the most amazing things I have ever heard from Audible. Me too. I like. Because for those of you that don't know, Room is is basically a similar type of thing to what we're talking about with the the J.C. Dugard thing, where it, but it's fictionalized, and so it's about this little boy who has been basically raised in a room all his life, and then um, I got in so much trouble for spoiling this, but it's on the back cover. He and his mom escape. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and, it, that basically and, happens towards the beginning of the book. Right. And the rest of the book is about how they adjust to, you know, life on the outside. And, um, yeah, the Audible version is narrated by, I don't know if it's actually a child or someone who can sound like a child. 
I, I looked her up. I forget her name, but it looked like she has some, like, a lot of serious, like, voice work on IMDb. She's done a lot of, like, um, anime mm-hmm. dubbing. So it, she must just be, like, an amazingly oh talented gosh. That, I mean, woman. when it started, I had no idea it was going to be like that, and it just freaked me out. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so perfect. And it, it, and it I, did me too. I gave, I've let my neighbor borrow it because I said, you know, if you're going to, we're going to read it for book club, you know, you might really engage with it if you could listen to it. And she said it was so disturbing to her, she couldn't do it. She, it, it just, the, the. That added a whole new dimension to it. The sound, you know, that little child voice added a dimension that she just did not want. Yeah. You know, in other words, it was too disturbing and she couldn't take it. So she gave it back to me. But yeah. But it was a, it was a very hopeful book. It was. Like, it really you know, you is. have to get through the, the really, really, really dark part at the beginning. But once you do, like the the rest of the book, when, when they get out, um, which... Like I said, people yelled at me about that on Twitter, and I, I felt like that was kind of like spoiling the Titanic by saying that it sinks at the end. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, it, it's so hopeful. It, it really it's is. It's just all about how, you know, these people get, like, deal with what's happened to them and become stronger people and able to move, oh, move on, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of moving on, <laughs> not that this isn't wonderful, but we don't want our audience to get too bored. Um, I, I wanted to kind of delve into a little bit. I think one of the things we'd like to try and do uh, with each podcast is to focus on one specific topic for the majority of the podcast. And I don't think this time we'll actually really do a whole lot of that um, <laughs> no. since we've been introducing ourselves and, and we haven't got quite a rhythm yet, which is fine. Uh, but, you know, one specific topic. And so this time we wanted to talk about something that, you know, probably a lot of people already know about, which is the whole Harry Potter phenomenon. Yes. Um, <laughs> Seven so, books, eight s- movies. Oof. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I read the books and loved them. I have all of them in hardcover in my bookshelf. Wait, do I have the eighth, the seventh one? Yes, I have the seventh one in hardcover. Uh, I have them all and love them. I saw the first movie and then I decided I didn't really need to see any more of the movies. I'd much rather have the books to keep me company. But in case you have been living under rocks for the past 12 or 13 years and do not know anything about Harry Potter, uh, this is a basically sprawling epic uh urban fantasy, I guess you would call it, series about uh, a child who discovers that he is a wizard and has to fight the forces of darkness, Lord Voldemort. Yes. Uh, he you know, starts out when he's 11, and it takes him through wizard school, which lasts for seven years. So every year of the book is a year in wizard school at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizard Wizardry. I can never say that word. I know. There's too many W's <laughs> and R's in it. Wizardry. Wizardry. Yes. And so um, J.K. Rowling, who wrote the book, um, of course, it takes place in the U.K., which is where she's from. And, um, well, wrote the books, I should say. And basically when she started this, she, like, had no money. She was living on the equivalent of welfare. She had, you know, like a little girl she was trying to raise on her own. And basically the books catapulted her into the status of millionairehood, maybe even billionairehood for all we know. 
because, you know, they were just so famous and the movies were actually really well done movies. At least the first five were. I've heard various things about the six through eight movies that they weren't quite as well put together. Um, but, you know, it, it just a just a huge sort of phenomenon that put magic into the 21st century. I mean, mm-hmm. in, in, you know, all these kids were, you know, people, kids would come into wizard school and they'd be coming in from just, you know, regular everyday. They didn't have any wizard heritage, you know, the muggles, if you will. Uh, but they could do magic. And so they would enter, you know, from regular 19, 2000, 2001 and be, you know, in wizard school, which, you know, had all these fantastically wonderful medieval things in it. And lo and behold, all these spells and incantations could do fantastically wonderful things. So it's basically how the modern world and that world kind of intersect. Yeah. Um, and and I really do enjoy a lot of the, I mean, you know, there were several characters that the books focused on. It did not, in terms of being an epic, um, it's sort of like a David Eddings epic. I mean, there were several characters that were focused on almost exclusively. It was not like a Wheel of Time, Robert Jordan, George R.R. R. Martin epic that like has viewpoints from like 10 or 12 different people you know basically is told from harry's viewpoint for the most part and you know talks about him and all his friends and what they get up to and how they help him with his struggles Um, and they get more sophisticated as they go the first the first few books are very much like like full of this like wide-eyed you know like oh my like you know you're a wizard, Harry, and oh, all these these really awesome things. And then, you know, the series gets to a point where it, it sort of grows up along with Harry. So, yeah. you know, at first he's this young, idealistic kid, and then he goes through his, like, teenage angst. I kind of want to smack <laughs> him in the face around book five. Yeah, definitely. And then he gets out of that and becomes this epic hero at, at the end. And it's all very, like, it it's... Like the 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 last few books are definitely not. They're not what, for eleven year olds like the first book, right? They're not. They're for like the books grow along with the kids, and you're right. And I think she does a really good job of that. Uh, but the trade off is that if your eleven year old kid is going to start reading Harry Potter, you don't want to give your eleven year old kid the last book. <laughs> no. <laughs> so you know. That's although, something you have to quite keep in mind, you know. Although the last book is is not to me um, nearly as disturbing as as book five with the um, yeah that horrible quill pen. <laughs> I think I think book five to me. I think book five was the best in terms of the way it was put together. It was the longest, but I think it was also the best. The pace was pretty good throughout. Um, there were parts of the sixth and seventh books, although they were almost as long, they tended to drag in certain parts. Yeah. Um, and, you know, book five had, you know, a lot of real darkness to it. Ooh, that it, it did. And, and a lot of really good imaginative, uh, imaginative things going on in it too. So, um, very, uh, I think that was the best one. And, and she was interviewed about that because it was, you know, to date, you know, the longest book and it took the longest to publish. And she said in one of her interviews that she regretted having to make it a tome, you know, such a large tome, I think was the word she used, but that, you know, she <laughs> felt it was necessary. And I think she was right. I think pretty much all of it was, I mean, you know, it, it was all necessary. Even the whole thing with the house elves, you know, like let's free the house elves. Um, 
you know, a lot of people thought that was unnecessary, but I think it was it shows like the way in which teenagers especially can like embrace and go on a you know an idealistic crusade while at the right. same time being angsty <laughs> for lack of a better <laughs> word <laughs> right <laughs> so yeah i am um, i really did enjoy them did you watch any of the movies i watched i want to say that i watched the first one in theaters um, and then I saw the second one, and then years later, I never saw any of the rest of them as they came out until um, fairly recently when the first, when the seventh movie came out. Then we all um, ended up, my, my brother and sister and I all ended up having this Harry Potter marathon at, at wow, <laughs> my apartment, cool. and we watched the, uh, um, I can't remember if it was the, if we started at the third or if we started at the fourth. But, so basically I have seen all of them. Although, um, I like, I, I didn't care for the movies as well because I think they were, and, and it might've, it might've been one of those things where the effects were probably very visually gorgeous and right. stunning. But, um, you know, a lot of the, a, a lot of it just was, it it didn't really work for me as mm-hmm. as well as i i thought perhaps that it should right yeah so i mean and, and that's that's good that you've you've seen it i think it's just amazing how the books themselves have inspired so much fan fiction oh, oh like my gosh reams of it <laughs> reams billions of pages some of it is very bad some of it's actually <laughs> quite intricate and quite good i've read you know several things uh here and there um and you'll ask me where, and I don't remember it's off, off the top of my head because it was a while ago. And I went on kind of this Harry Potter fan fiction like binge where I, I read a whole bunch of it and like tried to compare who was better than whom. Um, but, you know, I, I essentially there was one piece that was really funny because it was essentially an alternative, an alternative to the, the seventh book. Um, it was how Harry, Ron and Hermione defeated Lord Voldemort with a series of practical jokes. <laughs> It was fabulous. I wish I could remember who who did it, who wrote it, but it was so awesome. It was like, you know, they they got you know the 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 uh, number twelve Grimaud place, you know, became their hideout, and instead of using their hideout to like plan this ultra secret, you know, search for you know all the things that they searched for in book seven, they used it to create all of these practical joke spells and things to defeat Lord Voldemort, and it worked. <laughs> it was great. Oh, I loved it. It was fantastic. Uh, I, I wish I could find it. I may have it on the computer here someplace because I thought it was so awesome. I, I think I downloaded oh, that, it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I I had read a lot of Harry Potter fanfic about the time that um, the, the that there was that huge wait between books four and five. Right. And so I felt like I kind of got... Like, there's so much of it out there that, that yeah. you cannot read all of it. Um, Ooh, but I have this project that, that you know, among the millions of other things I want to do with my life, mm-hmm. um, one of the podcasts that I, I have been following is um, one that's been around for a while called Potterfic Weekly Ooh. that one of my Twitter friends told me about. And um, 
so I feel like with that, like they they do some serious in depth analysis of of Harry Potter fanfic. Wow! And um, so I've been I re- I've read a few things like that they've done episodes about some of them. I some of it I really liked. There was one that they did like seven or eight episodes of that I just like the the bit that I read. I just thought was kind of not very good so it's it's you know as with all things tastes tend to vary vary. yeah but um and i and i have found um the the most interesting of that was um this sort of like very very alternate universe story where like again we have the mary sue who discovered who like has a chance meeting with remus lupin and then randomly, they also like it. It turns out that she is Hermione's older sister named Danger. So Danger Granger is her name. Oh my god, you are kidding! That's I am awful. not making this up. And they, oh. and then after that, they like they find <laughs> out about Harry Potter being raised by the Dursleys. So they decide that they're going, <laughs> that they're going to kidnap him. And this this Danger Granger and Remus Lupin. Oh <laughs> Are gonna oh. kidnap Harry Potter and they they raise him and Hermione as as brother and sister and then they end up like with Draco Malfoy and it's like it's 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 like it's just the kind it's it's so very full of crack that's all I can say like yeah. it, it's impossible to take seriously but it's the kind of thing that and she's written she's written sequels oh my god and like the first the first part of it is is so terrible but then she kind of learned how to um do more world building and after a while it got to be very like epic in scope and um like she's got like alternate universes to her alternate universes now oh my gosh and wow and, and like i i think it's really cool that she did that although i think that probably um the end result has been, I think it's been one of those things fix that hasn't been updated in like months and months and months. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, that it, it, it sort of, it must be the kind of thing that get that gets <laughs> like way too bloated out of, out of yeah. all proportion. And that's one danger with, with fan fiction. A lot of it can get really bloated. Um, and some of it's very short and sweet. There was one Harry Potter, uh, story that, um, Gilderoy Lockhart somehow gets transported. In case any of you don't know, Gilderoy Lockhart was one of these professors that uh, didn't know how to really do magic of any kind, although he had an ego out to here. And um, <laughs> he he gets transported into like Middle Earth, so that he. But the quest is all done, and Aragorn is you know like king of Middle Earth now, and you know the hobbits have all gone back to the Shire and everything. But uh, but Gilderoy Lockhart gets transferred to transported somehow to the court of Aragorn and. Arwen, even Star, uh, <laughs> basically tries to pass himself off as a wizard and doesn't do very well according to their <laughs> standards. It was really funny um, and sort of cute and kind of prosy, but it was you know short and, and sweet. Um, and again, I can't remember who did it uh, or where I read it. Um, but one other interesting thing about the Harry Potter books is that there's a very for those who you know audiophiles. Uh, who have listened to them in audio, uh, there's a very sort of sharp, you know, like there are two versions, essentially. There's a version in the UK narrated by Stephen Fry, and there's a version here in the US uh, narrated by Jim Dale. Uh, And 
people have very strong opinions about which one they prefer. They they do. And <laughs> and Eric, Eric Sandvold narrates the bard version. He doesn't even count. No, he does not <laughs> count. And everyone, you know, a lot of people who, you know, a lot of people really like his narrations. But I'm sorry, if you want to narrate, if you want to give someone a, a book to narrate, and the book takes place in the UK with primary, primarily UK people. You want somebody with a British accent. So yeah. why have they chose an American to narrate the James Harriet books? I don't understand that. But anyway, uh, you want someone with a British accent, and Eric Sandvold doesn't have one, so he doesn't count. Um, both Stephen Fry and Jim Dale, uh, you know, of course, are from that area, and so they do. Um, a lot of people really think one's better than the other. I like the Jim Dale version. I think he has a little more expression. But at the same time, he also makes the characters have, you know, very different voices. He was very good at that. Yeah. Um, although in the last book, he messed up the voices a little bit. He gave one of the professors a different voice that he had con- than he had given her in the previous books. But Professor Sprout, I believe. But oh, that's I, obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. But I still, I mean, Stephen Fry is okay and he does a good job, but I guess it's just what you, what you got used to first in my case. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm totally, I, I have not listened to the Stephen Fry. Well, no, I listened to like an, enough of like the Sorcerer's Stone or the Philosopher's Stone as it right. is in the UK. Um, uh, narrated by him to say that I had and, <laughs> Um, it, I I like the Jim Dale versions. I I think that it's cool that he does the voices, and I it, I remember it grating on me a little bit um, because I did. Um, for example, I you know I think that Maggie Smith was a perfect Professor McGonagall, and that is how I always heard. Like even before they cast her, I kind of had that that sort of you know, imperious, but, you know, mm-hmm. secretly there's, there's some heart there kind of, um, you know, way to her voice. And I never really pictured her, her with a Scottish accent. And then I read the Jim Dale version and she's got a Scottish accent and it kind of threw me, but <laughs> you know, for the most part, well, I mean, I guess I like if you put them. it together, she's wearing a tartan. So tartan is kind of a Scottish thing. And so, you know, McGonagall is a very Scotch last name. So I guess I can see why he did that. But I can understand how it does does throw you because she has in the movie, she has sort of a touch of that kind of accent, but it's really not that pronounced. No. So, you know, yeah, I can see how that would throw you. Now, me, I really didn't listen. I mean, I really didn't watch the movies before I listened to the books. So I didn't have really any preconceptions about, you know, how they were going to sound. So I just kind of went with whatever. (laughs) I, I didn't either, but I read the first few in Braille. Mm-hmm. And then, so, so, like, you know, when you're reading something in Braille, or even, like, I, I, I find myself doing this with, like, synthesized speech, um, you know, I, I do give, end up giving the characters voices, um, and, yeah, and so, too. like, you know, going from that to the audio was, was a little bit, you know, like, this isn't the voice that I, I had in mind, so I hadn't seen the movies, um, when I, when I first heard the Jim Dale narration, but they did, um, but then I got used to it, you know, and Mm -hmm. then, and I, I read the last of the Harry Potter books on, um, on, on e-text because I didn't have the, like, $60 to buy the audio version. Yeah. (laughs) And, and I could get it on, on Bookshare 
very quickly. And so I read it that way and I was still hearing the Jim Dale voices right. in my head. So it seems, you know, like, you know, we kind of have talked about this. What's interesting is that you kind of wondered, you know, you knew this was a definite epic. It's going to have a definite conclusion. You know, what's going to happen after it's all over with? And um, apparently she's starting to write a new book. Yeah, we don't know very much about this. Um, It's going to be an adult book. It's not going to be anything like the Harry Potter books. And, you know, I I feel like this is like it. What was it she said in the article? Something like, you know, she was she was pleased to be able to to, you know, Harry had, had given her the freedom to go all these places explore new territory or something yeah. like that. And I feel like that's a good attitude to have because, you know, um I remember that when The Time Traveler's Wife was which is a book I have not read, but that came out and and everybody loved it and it sounds like the kind of really depressing book that that um I'm just not up to reading right this very second. <laughs> But then she wrote another book, and people really panned it, and I got the impression that a lot of it was because it was not the time traveler's wife. Yeah. And so I worry that what's going to happen with, like, this new book that isn't Harry Potter is that people are going to be like, it's not Harry Potter! I think that she, I think what she was saying in the article is that now she has a whole lot of money and doesn't really care what people think. Uh, <laughs> So which is a good attitude which to have. Is, yeah, you know? I mean, if it's it sells like well, anymore. yeah, if it sells well, it sells well. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I would think that as a writer, after a while, I mean, you know, you write, you write one book, it doesn't sell very well. You write another book, it still doesn't sell very well. But you had this career of like best-selling books. I would think it'd get a little bit wearing after a while if they all of a sudden just start not selling well just because they're not Harry Potter. So she, she does have some sort of a risk of like, I guess, losing her passion. Yeah, you know, if she, you know, if if it turns out to be a barrier, but then again, you know, maybe people will read them anyway just to see how different they are than Harry Potter, or it I, is than Harry Potter. I I will. I, I mean, know I definitely will read it when it comes out. It, it's I I feel like it's kind of the whole Stephen King versus Richard Bachman kind of thing where he wrote all these books under the Richard Bachman pseudonym to see if people would like if he could right. <laughs> Yeah. And whether they would sell, you know, if they didn't have his name attached to them. And, you know, it, it, so it seems like, it seems to me like, you know, this, this could be like, she could do that. Yeah, she could. Um, one other little piece of news we had was that Harry Turtledove um, was very nice to one of his fans. Harry Turtledove is a science fiction author. Apparently his, this, one of his fans has terminal cancer and his dying wish was to be told what was going to happen next in in this Harry Turtle Dove series. And so a friend of, of this fans got in contact with Harry Turtle Dove and Harry Turtle Dove was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll tell him what's going to happen. So basically he sent him a pre, you know, like a beta release of his book. It hadn't been published yet, but he sent he sent a copy of the, you know, unpublished book. Um, to the cancer patient, I, I don't remember his name, but to this guy. And he also, um, I think, called him and talked to him on the phone and like told him what the rest of the series was going to consist of, you know, so he had an idea of how it was going to end. And I thought that was just sort of the neatest thing. That That is really, really neat. I, I, 
<laughs> I think that's really sweet. I do too. So I, it doesn't really sound like the the kind of series that I would be particularly interested in reading, but it does like ha- it does give me a whole lot of respect for him as an author. Absolutely. I, I think it was like a war series or something like yeah. science fiction battle stuff. And you're right that that doesn't interest me very much either. Although I did read a book called The Forever War, which actually was really fascinating. It wasn't by Harry Turtledove, but um, it was basically about a war that took place, but people were limited to light speed travel. So they would go fight in the war and then they would come home and their great grandchildren wouldn't know who they were. Oh, that sounds really deep. It was actually. It was really good, though. Was really it wasn't that long, but it, you know it said a lot in the short amount of time that you know that it was. And I remember reading it, and I was working out on the treadmill as I was reading this book, and it was so good that I didn't want to stop working out. <laughs> you know, that's when you know a book is good. You don't want to, yeah. You don't want to stop the exercise because you know you're not going to pick the book back up again until the next time you start exercising. I wish I had that self discipline now. I don't. I know. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it was a really good book. Um, so, yeah, I, I completely, you know, respect him for doing that. I think that was great. And I hope that, you know, you always run the risk as an author that the series isn't going to turn out exactly how you expect. And some authors like Stephen King, you know, take it by a shoestring and just write whatever comes out. And then that's how the series turns. And if their fans don't like the fact that they don't necessarily know how it's going to turn out, then their fans are just going to have to wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but some do have, you know, plans and outlines and, you know, hopefully, and you know, that was just a really nice thing for him to do. Um, our last news story, we were going to talk about um, a, a new e-reading um, yes. device. Yes. Well, it's, it's a program that um, helps. Yes, program, bring, not a device. Yeah, not a device. <laughs> it's a program that helps um, people who are blind have access to various e-book reading formats like PDF, uh, EPUB. And, you know, even plain text and Windows help files and other such things. It's called QReads. And you can get to it by going to q-continuum.net slash QReads. Uh, this is developed by the same guy who developed Quitter, uh, which is no longer in, in development. Uh, the Twitter client, uh, API client for, for the blind. And also uh, who developed Hope, which is the uh, accessible Pandora API client. Yes. So... um which I think is pretty awesome. I think both of those are pretty awesome, actually. Uh, Quitter is no longer in development. Well, it is. It's been taken over by another project, the Quartizer Projects, um, and it's now called The Cube. But yes. um, Christopher Toth, the original developer of Quitter, uh, has come out with this QReads thing. And for $20, you can purchase this from his website. You can get a little activation code thingy, and then you'll be able to, I guess, read a lot of PDFs, EPUBs, uh, certain Daisy from Bookshare. If you have a Bookshare password, it'll apparently open those up, uh, and and some other formats. So I have no idea. I don't have any opinions about this one way or another. So you get to get on your soapbox and just <laughs> give them. <laughs> okay. Well, this, uh, you know. Okay. First of all, you know, I if, if you're listening, Christopher Toth, um, I don't know you at all. I I have like. I think it's awesome that that you are providing these programs. And hey, you know, I like it, it is a very cheap alternative to having to buy a specialized book reader. However, I really just don't see the point. 
<laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, well, one, because I'm, I'm on a, on a Mac these days and, um, this is a windows client as is, um, hope for Pandora, which makes me sad because the Pandora, um, client for the Mac is not as good in my opinion. And, uh, but that's a whole other issue, but you know, I just, I feel like the, what I would like to see someone develop is a less clunky and actually accessible way to, to read like eBooks that are, um, that to deal with the, the DRM restrictions on, on eBooks so that I could go to, um, amazon.com and buy a book for the Kindle, which is often a much cheaper way to, to buy eBooks than, you know, going to the iTunes store and, and doing it that way. And I feel like that would be a really cool thing, but this is just kind of like, you know, I, I already have, um, a dedicated book reading device. I have a book sentence and, and I don't really understand why, I would want this. Well, I guess, I mean, if you don't have, if you want to read these kinds of things on your computer, Adobe Acrobat is okay for PDFs. Really, I don't know of a good uh, program to read EPUB books. I guess the advantage is this keeps everything all in one place. Now, the DRM, that is a completely separate issue. Um, And, you know, that's not something that, that's something that various publishers have to weigh in on. So, um, you know, that's, that's a bit different, a difficult, but, um, uh, you know, and, and Amazon has very, has not been very willing to, you know, make their stuff easy to convert. You know, there is the Kindle app for the PC. I don't know that there is one for a Mac. I don't know if there is either. And, I've, I've... you know. Even the one for PC leaves a lot to be desired. And in order to desired. convert a Kindle book, you need, I mean, it's sort of geeky. I don't, I don't choose to, to, to do that. And quite frankly, I only have two Kindle books and I bought them because one of my friends wrote them. <laughs> and <laughs> that was really the reason that I bought them. Um, I don't feel the need to go out and purchase, you know, purchase books from the Kindle store. Um, you know, I guess if a really, really cool, awesome book came out and it was only on in Kindle format, then maybe I'd feel differently. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of understand where you're coming from. But at the same time, I, I see it as being, you know, they're all in one place. Uh, you can, you know, read probably very simply, uh, you know, but I do think that people are going to come and have a big Falderall over the price. Yeah. Because um, God forbid. Because God we forbid. Have for we have to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think that in some cases, you know, they may have a point. $20 may be, you know, a lot. Especially since you've got Adobe Acrobat that you can get for free. And that is somewhat accessible, if a little bit clunky. But it does work. Um, I don't know what, like I said, you could use to read EPUB books. I'm not exactly certain. That, I don't know. I... I mean, there's got to be like some some way to do it, but yeah. there may not but, be. But I still don't think twenty dollars is too much to ask for that. I think I think that's pretty reasonable. Um, you know, considering what 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 we pay for accessible, um, oh yeah, technology anyway, it's really not. It's really not a lot. 
and and I, I like I do get the point that I've a, a lot of the marketing I've seen about this has been people saying, well, you know, it's a um, a cheap alternative to you know because you don't have to have the dedicated reader, and I guess maybe that's kind of where I'm coming from. Is I'm fortunate enough that I have more reading options maybe. than my computer. But at the same time, you're tacked to your computer too. Still, right, so it doesn't get rid of that. But yeah, you you can, you know, you have all the formats in one in one place, and you don't have to have seven or eight different programs in order to you know unzip these files and read you know take them apart and and read them with all these different you know little programs. Do so, God knows what all to them. It yeah. So that is that is nice, and I you know um, I wish him luck with it because I. I think it'll be really helpful to people. It's not not something that I particularly feel the need to spend my $20 on. But, you know, I definitely, you know, now that we're, we're having this conversation, can see why. Yeah, it, I, yeah. I'm with you. I don't think I'm going to buy it. But I think that, I, can, I mean, I can see where people would be interested in it, especially if they... Especially if they do have a lot of PDF files and other, you know, types of ebook formats that they routinely shuffle through on a regular basis uh, and want a reliable way to read them. Uh, sometimes, you know, Adobe Acrobat will think there's nothing in the document. I mean, you know, it just <laughs> depends on if it's having a good day or not. So, yeah. um, you know, this probably will be, you know, more reliable, an easy way to get Bookshare materials unpacked, too, I guess, apparently. So, um and I, there are other options, yeah. you know, it, with with like the Adobe, you could go to convertfiles.com and right. and submit your files through that, which is like has been a lifesaver for me this semester in class because okay. often preview on the Mac won't won't <laughs> read yeah. my files. Wow. Mm. But but yeah, it's this it's you know and and so this is also the thing. It's like, you know, if I had a Windows machine, I would feel much differently. I might, you know, spend the 20 bucks, but since I don't, well, I mean, yeah. well, I mean, Mac. you don't, you won't, right? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I wish him luck and, and we'll see how this takes off. I know it's just been released, so not a whole lot of feedback yet from people who have tried it. Um, if you have tried it and you want to give us feedback, you can uh, tweet us at book hoarders and let us know uh, how it's, how it's been going uh, for you. Or you can send us email at bhapodcast at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> so that's where you would send us all your emails. Um, and we'd like to hear not only about Q Reads, but also, you know, um, what you like to read and all this, that, and the other. Um, this will be a, at this point, we're thinking this is going to be like a monthly podcast. So we'll come back at the beginning of April and talk to you again about Oh, wait, we have to give homework. Yes, we have to give homework. It's homework time. Yay, homework time. Um, well, we we decided that we were going to start with um, continuing our, our theme of sort of young adult literature. Um, our first book that we're actually going to read and talk about on the podcast is The Hunger Games, because by, there yeah. will be a movie. By Suzanne Collins. And the movie comes out later this month. Uh, Suzanne Collins has come out and, you know, said that she is she really uh, very highly praised the movie and said that the, you know, writers and, and producers had done a very good job in, you know, capturing the setting that she wanted uh, and casting the characters, you know, in, in a good way uh, to, you know, depict the world that she's created, um, which is a very sort of dark and disturbing post-apocalyptic place. Uh, so 
I'm going to go see the movie on March 31st. And when I come back, you know, the week after that, we will record the podcast. I'll be chock full of all sorts of information and funness resulting from the movie uh, entertainment. Hopefully it's going to be as good as advertised. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll be able to talk about, you know, book versus movie. And yeah. so you can read The Hunger Games before you come back. Uh, if you are visually impaired, you can get it from Bard, narr- narrated by Aaron Jones. Fantastic. Uh, and I think it's also on Bookshare. I, I believe that it is. It's got to be on Bookshare. It has to be. Um, and I, so I'm pretty sure that's how I read it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's out there. Um, and so it's homework time. Yes. So if you have um, if you have thoughts about the Hunger Games and you want to us to uh, to share them with us, <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> feel free to email us again at bhapodcast at gmail dot com. Yes. Um, and we'll be looking forward to next time. Well, this has been episode one. Woohoo! <laughs> A very long episode one. <laughs> but we got through it. <laughs> yeah, we did. And it was a lot of fun. And here's hoping that the rest of the episodes are as good. Yes. Um, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. To contact the book hoarders, send email to bhapodcast at gmail.com. Follow book hoarders on Twitter. And visit the website at bhapodcast.com.